we started out with a big question. What do kids need to thrive in the world today? And so we weren't thinking about schools. We weren't thinking about the solution. We just asked this big question. And from that question, um, we were able to, um, we had surveys, we had a huge community collaboration of over 80 community members, all wrestling with this question. And, and to make a long story a bit shorter, is that, that this group, this community collaboration of educators, um, community leaders, interfaith clergy, hmm. um, school principals, um, organiz community organizations, all um, kind of dived into a couple of key areas. And, and one of the common threads throughout all of their work was social and emotional skills. And that was way before social emotional skills became such a common part of the vocabulary. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Dash Podcast. I'm your host, Trey Gimmage, and I have with me today Liz Warner and Trish Heindel from the Culture School Culture and Climate Initiative. Um, I was fortunate to go through the Academy for SEL's SEL Leadership, SEL and Character Development Certification, and these folks helped put that together. So super excited to talk about SEL, School Culture and Climate. And before we get into their opportunities and initiatives, this is a reminder to go to seleducators.com and check out our services for schools as well as YouTube at SEO Educators. And without further ado, welcome to the Dash Podcast. How are y'all doing today? Thank you. It's You're lovely to be here. Yes. I, now, I've heard y'all's names for some time. Um, I've met Dr. Elias and, and David Adams. They've been on the show, but had the pleasure to meet you in um, New Jersey at the School Board Association and, and see some of the work that you do. Would would one of you mind breaking down just how the School Culture and Climate Initiative came about and what the mission or purpose of it is? <laughs> right. Well, that's a very long story. So I'll give a very abbreviated story and then, then Trish can weigh in um, on, on, on her side of the partnership. But the School Culture and Climate Initiative started about, um, I don't know now, 12, 13, maybe even 14 years ago um, as a as and, and basically much of our inspiration and foundation and our work rests on the shoulders of Maurice Elias, who you mentioned. Um, so, so years ago, we started out with, I was at United Way, we started out with a big question, what do kids need to thrive in the world today? And so we weren't thinking about schools, we weren't thinking about the solution, we just asked this big question. And from that question, um, we were able to, um, we had surveys, we had a huge community collaboration of over 80 community members, all wrestling with this question. And, and to make a long story a bit shorter, is that, that this group, this community collaboration of educators, um, community leaders, interfaith clergy, hmm. um, school principals, um, organiz community organizations, all um, kind of dived into a couple of key areas. And, and one of the common threads throughout all of their work was social and emotional skills. And that was way before social emotional skills became such a common part of the vocabulary. Um, this was before the, the research that Durlock did in 2011, the big meta-analysis that everyone refers to. So out of this community collab collaboration and focus on what do kids need to thrive, came this focus on social and emotional skills. Yeah. 
And at that time, um, Marie Elias in New Jersey was working with the big federal grant um, where he had a three year process of helping schools build capacity and to address in a sustainable way, school climate. Um, and we know that social emotional skills and school climate go hand in hand. It's those social emotional skills of all the humans that create the positive mm -hmm. climate. And it's within that positive climate that those social emotional skills can be practiced and where everyone feels safe and supported and respected, you know, ready to learn and ready to teach. So when we heard about Maurice Elias's work, um, the, the, our teams were trying to reinvent the wheel, well, invent mm -hmm. the wheel. And yeah. then we said, wait, there's a fabulous wheel out there. So started to collaborate with, with Dr. Elias and, and ended up um, coming on the tail end of his grant. And so from there, our, the, the work began. This was something that United Way had never done before, um, never provided direct service, had never played in this field before. Um, and so when Dr. Elias's um, grant kind of finished, the schools that we were working with said, we want this to continue. So at that point, that's when our relationship, um, you know, we were said, well, how do we continue to provide something that is helpful and useful for these schools? So that's when Dr. Elias um, said, and, and we said, well, we have an idea and yeah. I'll turn this bit over to Trish right now. Oh, <laughs> they can talk about nice. how, how that you can. Nice right, right, right. So at that time I was, I am a professor of psychology, um, but I've moved into administration since then but I was chair of the psychology department um, at the then College of St. Elizabeth. And we were doing work in one of our master's programs um, and in our teacher education programs that was incorporating um, helping future teachers and school counselors um, understand the importance of social emotional skills, not just of the student, but also of the teacher and the counselor. So the linchpin between um, United Way and St. Elizabeth's and Liz and me was a woman by the name of Joanne McLennan, who was um, a faculty member um, in our department at that time, who had been part of Maurice's DSACS project. And so she was really taking the lead on develop, developing this curriculum and infusing these class uh, lessons in those programs that I, I mentioned. Um, and so Joanne said to me, um, you have to meet someone. And so she introduced me to Liz. Um, and so the linchpin between us is Maurice and then Maurice to Joanne McLennan. Um, and at that time, I also founded um, a center which exists still today and the work is, is housed in, the Center for Human and Social Development at St. Elizabeth University. Um, and so this work became the mission of the center. Um, and out of that center, we not only have the School Culture and Climate Initiative that we can talk about, but also the Academy for Social Emotional Learning in schools that you mentioned, Trey, and that you completed. Um, so that's a bit of our history. We are now together and housed solely in the center uh, here at the university. Okay. There's so much depth. The history is so rich. And, and you know, one of the um, guilty pleasures of having a podcast is just kind of piecing together the puzzles. Like I mentioned, I've had the chance to talk to Dr. Elias twice, have a few of his books, and he's he's brought you all up. And obviously I've been a part of the initiatives. I think another piece that stands out to me you know, in business or you're coming from an academic lens. So maybe the business aspect is not a priority. But I think a lot of times, you know, 
you all are so collaborative, but it could have very, very easily been competition. And so mm -hmm. I appreciate the collaborative approach and even looking on your website when I, I looked at the assessment lab and you all are pulling the best assessments from um, from Panorama, from from whomever has them that that may be open source is what it looks like to me. And I think that's a, a magnificent approach because it's more it's more service oriented. It's more asset based. It's more from the ground up. How long did it take in your collaboration to piece together the puzzle? Now you're 13 years in and, and I, I get to reap the benefits. But what was that like really coming together and, and piecing the puzzle together? Well, you know what, I think that's a really interesting um, question because we are incredibly collaborative, but also uh, what's very important is I think from the very beginning, we were led by the problem, not mm -hmm. thinking we had the solution. So, so many of our um, additional initiatives and sort of supports we have for schools came from truly listening to the schools. Wow. And, and so, for instance, we formed a school support network where we provide, that's been going now for... Um, 12 years, where we provide shared professional development and a chance for schools to come together um, to, to share, you know, to sort of, you know, any, anything from successes to challenges to just connect with others, with peers from different mm -hmm. buildings. And, and that was something that, that we started because um, principals were, were, were asking for this. They were like, I, they said, hey, Liz, you know, you're always telling me what so-and-so is doing. Why don't you just get us together? Mm. And, and I'm like, that's a great idea. So the school support network was birthed from that. Um, likewise, COVID, you know, it's been very, very challenging. We went virtual, like everyone did. We were able to offer coffee chats because those same people said, we need uh, some support networks. We need to collaborate. So we form coffee chats, job-alike coffee chats. And so I think that in terms of, um, you know, piecing together jigsaw puzzles and, and our approach, um, I'm, I'm, I think I, I was very fortunate that I came, I come from a corporate background. I was in higher education publishing for 16 years. Mm -hmm. And, and that, you know, so very, very much sort of entrepreneurial, very much growth minded, but at the same time, very much service oriented and addressing the root causes of problems. And so I think the leadership actually sets the tone, you know, our own cultures, our own, our own cult, you know, organizational culture and values are to support, to do good, to help and to make a difference. And likewise, at the university, the entire university is based on a, on a foundation of service leadership, servant leadership. And Trish, do you want to talk a little bit about how that? Kind yes, of yes. And that's actually what uh, the birth of the center was to be to be to be a community support service. Um, our mission at the university is um, founded on um, servant leadership, as Liz said, uh, but to really to, to really um, give access to those who have not had access. Mm. Uh, so it's a very social justice led mission here at the yep. university. Yep. Uh, and as Liz said, we're, we're extremely collaborative and supportive, and it comes from um, really understanding um, not only understanding the need and helping to provide that service, but bringing people together and just finding the value in bringing people together. Mm -hmm. um, the school support network meetings that Liz talked about, uh, we do those for free. Um, and you know, the people that come just get so much from being being together. Um, you know, educators have a, a really rough 
time, especially now. Um, so that that service that we're providing is really based on that that uh, that mission. Mm -hmm. I'd also like to add Trey to when I first I lived in the UK for 16 years and Denmark for a couple of years before that. So when I came to New Jersey, I was new to New Jersey. I was new to this field and uh, and I, I took on a very small standalone project at United Way. And so and it was like middle schoolers seemed to be having a tough time. Mm. Can you just help us figure this out. I was like, I know nothing about this. It's not my area. I've been in higher education publishing, but sure, sounds interesting. And I went around the state and well, actually Morris County at that point and then Northern New Jersey. And I talked to associations, organizations, executive leaders. I talked to schools, just asking them about middle schoolers. And, and having had that opportunity to talk to everyone, I came yeah. away with a big picture thought, which is like, oh my goodness, there are so many amazing people doing so much amazing work and there's so many resources, but everyone is siloed. And mm -hmm. so I just was left with as an outsider being able to bring that lens to it was just like, wow, this 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 place is just full of so much potential. Yeah. So that's kind of fueled my, the last decade, my fuel is, is about coalition building, about mm -hmm. alliance, about collaboration and about cooperation. And, you know, there's a whole lot of other things we do that are based in that sort yeah. of realm. But that, that's kind of the, the fuel, you know, we all have certain types of fuel. That's one of my fuel is just to bring together all these amazing resources and people and energy in a way that's more efficient. I've got so many questions for y'all. Um, <laughs> this is, we could talk for hours. So um, one question that's kind of, I guess, quicker, are y'all more focused on New Jersey or do you support schools nationally? So we've been focused mainly on New Jersey um, and, you know, COVID has allowed us to expand beyond that. Um, mm -hmm. We are engaged in the work through um, SEL4NJ, which is uh, a state association of organizations that are committed to SEL broadly defined. Um, and that uh, SEL for New Jersey is a state association that's also part of SEL for US, mm -hmm. which is a coalition of state organizations across uh, across the nation. So Liz and I do a lot of um, presentations, uh, and we've we've been doing um, you know out of state presentations. Um, but the work on the ground has mainly been in New Jersey, but we were also working in New York. Um, and we're looking to to really expand uh, expand the work, um, but started out mainly in northern New Jersey, and yeah. we've that makes sense. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at teachbetter.com/podcasts, and we'll see you at the next episode. I, um, so this question, you know, may be relevant or may not. I've had opportunities or heard of like a Duke tip or um, Johns Hopkins has, I think it's the Center for Talent Development. Northwestern has the Center for Talented Youth. And I've worked with a program called the Civic Education Project. And we focused on service learning, asset-based development, community development. Um, could you talk about either, this is kind of a two-part question and we can split it up. I'm curious about like the frameworks that you've used to develop your model. Like, cause I hear you, you mentioned service learning, asset-based. I know there's ultimately the thriving schools model, but I'm curious about some of that research. And then is there 
do you find similarities or differences with those other types of development centers that are more youth focused? Um, if you could talk about the differentiation. Yeah, you know, that's that's really interesting because there's so much out there, right? And so many places doing really great work. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're always learning from everyone. Um, but where we, so we've been really focused on, on what we feel we do really well, which is taking a systemic coordinated approach to sustainable school climate improvement. And I think what sets us apart a little bit is that we are systemic. We, we really um, do appreciate those, those programs and approaches that do uh, focus on, a, on different pieces of the jigsaw puzzle, but we're very much a process that okay. focuses on making sure that those individual puzzle pieces are fitting together really well. And so it's very, our, our three-year school climate assessment and improvement process is mm. data-driven, it's very supportive, it's focused on building capacity within the school. Mm. And, and so that not only is the, um, you know, that those classrooms are wonderful, warm environments where true magic can happen to in the hallways, to within teachers' meetings, how staff um, are treated and, and you know work with each other, to policy mm -hmm. as well. The discipline policy has got you know it really needs to match up with what are the core values of the school, what are the um, you know any SEL program. It really needs it is yeah. one jigsaw puzzle, and so those pieces really need to interrelate. So our approach is very much building capacity within the school is helping schools take all these different jigsaw puzzles pieces together um, and making sure that that what they have in place is addressing the need that they have and that they're developing the capacity to um, do this all efficiently and without too much outside help eventually. So I think that's kind of our um, our niche is, is it's really very much systemic and yeah. Yeah, I, I think we really uh, use the, the best practices from school improvement process. And, mm. and from the academy, um, Trey, you, you've, um, you know, you've been uh, invested in learning more about how to do this in a systemic and sustainable way. Yeah. Um, but it really starts with being sure that the strategic plan of the district is mm. aligned, right? Uh, then you need to have the infrastructure in place. You need... Um, you need to, to have the resources in place. You need time, you need uh, buy-in, you need, um, uh, as Liz mentioned, a data-driven approach. Um, and so we, we've really have, a, have gone into schools sharing that we walk you through and we support you through a school improvement process that's based on, on good science, it's based yeah. on good research. Yeah, I think it's a super distinct difference that I think many school leaders may still or just people in general may still struggle to differentiate. I know for me, uh, when I first started in my career, I was focused on public speaking and going to schools and delivering powerful, impactful storytelling to students. But I quickly realized that it was not a systemic approach. And right. just right. in you, you saying that, you know, we can and I, I was a school leader last year. So we, I'm talking about myself as a school leader, can think that a curriculum is the solution. It is not. Right. It's a systematic so, yeah. approach that does it. And so we hear 
Castle um, as the framework, and, and obviously we love Castle, and you can still use, I mean, everybody uses Castle, right. but there's another tool, I forgot who shared it with me, called, it, may, it might have been Maurice, um, exploreharvard.sel, and it shows how many frameworks or systemic ways there is to deliver SEL or character development or whatever the framework is. Right that fits your school. So thank you for- Yeah, but the framework isn't enough, right? Your yeah. curriculum is, is, is not enough. Um, and those those one-offs too, we, we talk often with schools about professional development. Yeah. Um, and we really try and help schools think through a more effective process. Um, professional development in one standalone workshop is not going mm -hmm. to get the, the outcomes that, that you really need. Exactly. So it's the same thing. And, and if you bring in a program or a curriculum, but you don't support the teachers in the long run in delivering that, that curriculum or that program, you're not going to get the outcomes that, that are promised from that mm -hmm. as well. So you do need the foundation. You need the the, you need it integrated, you need it to start from the top. Um, so yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think what, set, what, I think what sets us apart as well is that we have, we, we match a real live human to mm. this whole improvement process with the schools, which, you know, there's wonderful toolkits out there and dashboards. And there's so many centers around the country are around the world, actually, globally, there's a lot of work being done outside the United States, you know, of, of, of supports for schools to address either SEL or school climate or hotel or, you know, whatever words you want to use. Um, however, what we found is that every school is different and every district is different. And by relationships are so important. And so by, by matching a, one of our consultants with a school for three years, they help guide the school. They they help do some of the heavy lifting. Mm. They make sure the momentum continues. But very importantly, it's um, you know, they bring all their accumulated knowledge of you know their experience in working with different schools, as well as all of the rest of our team into the mix. But yeah. they establish trust and they establish a relationship and they make sure that whatever's going on in that school is really attuned and specific for that particular school yeah. because they're all different. And you mentioned youth de development. Mm. We have um, we have st staff climate teams in each school, but we also have student climate teams. Mm. So um, so students are able to get the, the leadership skill development, but they're also really engaged. Uh, they're engaging their voice and their actions in improving their own school right in the school. Um, so we, we do have that that development piece that brings in um, youth voice, which we know is really incredible, incredibly important to, to the climate of the building. And our student teams do such great work. They impact the climate of, of the, the school quite quickly. They really give motivation to the staff teams because <laughs> the kids are just fabulous, right? Yeah, we bitty ones, first graders all the way through. Wow. And they just say, you know, they see what's going on. They say it and they take action. And it's just, it's just so inspiring. Yeah. So the youth voice is important, but we do know that um, no matter what, I mean, it's all about the kids and the kids are fabulous and we give them a means to exercise their voice, but the adults in the building are absolutely critical. And yeah. so we see programs that are oriented, you know, and geared towards the, the kids, to the youth, but the, the, the adults, the grownups in the mix aren't, you know, aren't giving attention. And then how can they yeah. walk how right. can they be there 
emotionally for those kids and to reinforce yeah. it. They either don't have, you know, a lot of research has come out recently about professional development and SEL yeah. and how it's, it's not all that great. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, and then most importantly, it's been such a tough couple of years for everyone, right? Those adults are, you know, having a tough time as well. And yeah. so we have to focus on the adults. They have to walk the talk. Right. Right? They have to model. Mm -hmm. And school leaders, again, from the SEL Academy, where did, where did your course start? It started yeah. with you, right? Yeah. Understand yeah. Um, your, your leadership style and what it means to be an SEL leader. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, to, to engage um, in practices that model. Yeah good social yeah. skills and, and understanding the the research that goes into it and i think even right. myself i you know i recognize sel and restorative practices but i didn't consider the character development uh mm -hmm. portion of it and then some of the other again research that dr elias has done to unjumble the schoolhouse is that right. one of our projects as well so um i i have a, a sincere appreciation for the depth of work that you're doing in myself. I have a psychology background. And so I knew emotional intelligence before I knew SEL. Yes, and, that's true. That's that's really the uh, secret. It's the same. Yeah, yeah. The industry term is SEL, but yeah. it's really emotional intelligence. And so the first thing that stood out to me as I looked at frameworks is that the adult SEL was missing. And it just, it puzzled me. It baffled me, not like yeah. being an educator. It just made no sense why that was the step that you take after you choose a curriculum, after you create your plans and then get the adults involved, it right. was backwards to me. And, and that's why I elected to focus on adults. And, and y'all can correct me on this. Uh, perhaps the implementation model is the same. We went from like learning about ourselves and like the research around SEL character development. And then I feel like we focused more on the school systems, the policy and those components in the last piece was building the implementation plan to roll yeah. out. Is that a similar? That's the sequence. Absolutely. That's the right. sequence because you want to have your policies in place and then you pick the program that's going to help support those and enhance mm. those. Right. And yeah. quite often it's done in a higgledy piggledy sort of way. Yeah. The, the piece that's often missing in districts that used to be mandated was a set of core values for the district um, that you know, flow from the mission of the district and that those core values should then be driving the bus, right? Everything should align with those core values. Um, but core values have sort of disappeared. Um, some districts use the character traits um, that, that do that, uh, that, that serve that role, um, but a character trait is really not a core value, right? Um, so getting at underneath the character trait will get you at what you value in mm -hmm. human behavior, right? Mm -hmm. So um, having a set of, of core values is something that is um, it, we think is really critical to the process. And our teams start with a core values exercise if the district doesn't have core values or they re-examine the core values. Um, so it's, it's flowing from a foundation of this is, these are the things that we value. This is what then drives behavior. This is what drives, um, you know, our outcomes that we, we hope to achieve. Um, so that's been missing for a number of years. Uh, and I think that's something that's really, and in the leadership um, curriculum, we incorporate yeah. um, understanding that you need that, that set of what's, what are the guiding principles.
Right. It's it's really interesting. One of our consultants was working with a high school, and they he 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 entered. You know, he was in a meeting. He said, "No, you know, tell me about your core values." And they're like, "Oh yeah, we have core values." And he was like, "Well, what are they?" And they couldn't like they kind of said, "Oh, maybe respect or whatever." <laughs> and then he said, "Well, let's spend some time and revisit this." So we had the staff team do an exercise um, about you know trying to figure out what really are the core values of the school and what would they like them to be. Um, they said, "Okay." we did this, we're done. And he's like, no, 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 let's talk to the students. Had the student team mm. do the same. They came up with different core values. Um, and so then brought the two teams together and they had the, the, the richest, deepest conversation about wow. why um, certain values should be, you know, at the top of the list and, and real debates about, you know, you know, what should be in fourth place, what should be in fifth place and why. And it was very, very powerful. And it ended up, he said that there was this one girl um, that ended up um, changing the staff team's mind about one of the core values because of that conversation. And they took it to the wider school body. And so you can imagine the impact now that, that there's been a school-wide conversation about well, who are we and, and, and what do we want to be like? Um, and so now, you know, there's all, now there's a framework Right. in a way to address policy you right. know like is our discipline policy like this right. right and that should all be done prior to picking an sel curriculum right yeah, program. yeah. Right. That, that's so, the those are all the steps that are the prior steps that are missing and often in the, the work that's happening in schools so true y'all are on it y'all become your best self with bestself.co they have 90-day journals, six-month action plans, daily journals, gratitude cards, relationship cards, all kinds of things to help you become a better version of yourself. Visit bestself.co and use the code GAMAGE for 15% off your next order. I'm going um, to put one more. I'm going to put something on the screen here. I'm going to share my screen. Um, I see on your website. Do y'all oh, see that? Yeah. Yes. Can you talk me through this for a minute? Sure. Um, this is a this is a model that we use, and it's something that we put together a couple of years ago. But we know that so many programs and approaches just focus on one of these components. You know, for instance, at the at the bottom, like we were talking about before, there's a lot of professional development, but is it tied into anything? It tends to mm -hmm. be more than done. Um, professional learning communities, we learn from one another. But and the data driven, boy, do schools collect data, but what do they <laughs> do with it? Um, but overall, if this is the foundation and if the if those things at the bottom are viewed as the foundation for a thriving school, um, then it, it supports these other really key parts of, you know, we talked about the relationship between social emotional skills and positive school climate. You cannot have one without the other. Um, we all are, you know, schools are places with living, breathing people who all bring different skills to the table. So that's absolutely interrelated. Um, student and staff health, you know, we've been talking a little bit just today about the, you know, the challenges everyone is feeling. Um, even before COVID, you know, teachers were, were um, you know, expressing more stress than, than other professions. Post-COVID, it's just so, so difficult yeah. for so many students and staff. We had, were on a call this morning with a bunch of school counselors they're talking about suicide ideation is way up. They're having to do many more, hmm. um, you know, just support students in, in ways yeah. that's really very difficult. But this, this bottoms 
circle of organized and coordinated school. That's absolutely key. And we've talked about jumbling a jumbled schoolhouse on jumbled, that's Marisa Elias's term. Mm -hmm. And the problem with a jumbled schoolhouse is that all of those wonderful evidence-based programs that schools invest in, that you don't get the promised outcomes unless those programs are implemented with fidelity, like 90, 95% fidelity, which means professional development, which means, you know, circling back, looking, are the objectives being met? Are they being delivered in a consistent fashion to the right kids at the right time? And in the jumbled schoolhouse, it's very difficult to happen. Right. So, um, so all of these things work very much together. So our approach of working with schools, you know, we mentioned, you know, a systemic approach. Well, this is the systemic approach and we really need another sister slide to this that that talks about the link between policy between classrooms mm. between, um all of that and, and how this is action actionable in a school is by creating the infrastructure so our staff climate team is the table where this work then rests and where it can be integrated um, there's also there's so much siloed committees that are working on these uh, independently, but even if a school that we're working with has a couple of different committees that are working in this circle some way, um, we help them to communicate and integrate across those committees. Yeah, the staff climate team can really be the plate, the the table where this all this work happens and mm -hmm. in our process they do engage in all of these things we also have a school health survey um, that's that schools can adopt to use to to um, to collect data on student and staff's perception of how the school is supporting their health um, and that can identify gaps so all of these circles on that foundation take place in that room on that table of the staff climate team. So you have to create a space and an infrastructure to make this, this happen. And that's what we, we work to do in our schools. And it needs to be intentional mm -hmm. um, and it needs to be visible. And if for each one of the circles at the top and at the bottom, we have resources to address those. For social emotional skills, we have a couple of wonderful consultants who do SEL coaching, which really supports the teachers in the classroom. Um, we have the, the positive culture and climate. We have the, the process um, to help schools you know, build capacity and address this in a three-year intentional way. The coordinated schoolhouse, it's really important to start with an inventory of what do you have in place? What are you already doing? Um, you know, and, and and quite often we'll talk to somebody, oh yes, we do X wonderful program. It's sitting in the closet in a box. Mm -hmm. Or, oh yeah, we did this great program, but Debbie left three years ago. And is that still going on? You know, so it's so important to know what you have mm -hmm. and then cross-reference it with what do you need? And make sure that whatever you choose is going to support your core values, is going to really um, be implemented with fidelity. And as Liz mentioned, we have the tools. We have a whole toolbox that supports this process. Yes. This and, is and the live person helps schools walk this through it so that they don't have to go fishing in the wide world of that huge cauldron of amazing things. Is that their live human helps them figure this out. This is good. You all are, are on point. You're so efficient. 
everything that you've said has been very well spoken. I can remember you can you, you know you can tell when somebody knows what they're talking about. Not that that was in question with you all, but the the ability to to go into the layers and to go into the depth that you have today, I think is super valuable for everybody that is listening. So thank y'all for being so open with your processes and um, allowing me to join your program. It, it's been a joy. That I actually have um, a few people that I'm interviewing from the program as well to talk about their experience and how they've carried on their work after the program. So oh, been, love to hear that. Yes. Uh, Grace and I would love to hear that. Uh, we co-direct the Academy that uh, Trey is talking about. Yes. I'll be sure to share the episodes once they're um, uploaded and ready. So with the last couple of minutes that we have here, will y'all just tell everybody how to contact you or learn more about the culture and climate initiative? Sure, the, um, you were showing a little page from our website. Our website is schoolcultureandclimate.org and uh, our emails are liz at schoolcultureandclimate.org or um, phindel at steu.edu. Um, so we're quite easy to find. Um, and we're also, we mentioned this organization, SEL4NJ. That was actually an outgrowth of a previous coalition that, that I founded and, and Trish was co-founder of very quickly called the New Jersey School Climate Coalition. And then that changed the school, New Jersey School Climate and Health Coalition, which morphed into SEL4NJ, which is part of this national organization. And again, SEL4NJ.org or SEL4US, depending on where you're listening. The South Carolina just has a burgeoning SEL4 South Carolina. Um, there's 22 states. So we do encourage anyone to go on to SEL4US and join and find your particular state. And March 10th is oh SEL Day. Day. Global <laughs> SEL Day. So um, the everyone best day of the year. Yeah. So that's, that's a real holiday right there. SEL. Yes, yeah, it is a um, holiday. Lots of information on those websites. So um, please. Okay. And that's SELday.org. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, thank you all so much for the information. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you next time. This is The Dash. Thanks for listening to us on the Dash Podcast. I definitely hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you liked it, share it with a friend, share it with an educator, share it with someone who needs to hear the message from this episode. You can visit our website, seleducators.com, to learn more about our online courses and professional development training for schools and districts. We'll see you next time. This is the Dash.